Hello once again, folks. Welcome to another edition of the CIC Cast. I'm Joel Cookson, and we have what I think is a very excellent episode for you today. Episode 77. We are all the way to 77. We may get ourselves all the way to 80 uh, by the time the uh, the spring championships uh, wrap up, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But for this week, we have got uh, some good conversations for you. We are going to uh, get on the phone with the head coach of the Staples Girls tennis team, the defending champions uh, in that uh, championship, to, to talk a little bit about their season and get a little bit of a preview for what's coming up in the uh, the girls' tennis championships coming forward. Uh, we are going to talk to Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican American. He wrote a really interesting story that I thought uh, is worth talking about uh, as a couple teams ha- have honored a uh, an area umpire. So we will talk to uh, Kyle about that story and a little bit of a continuation of some recent conversations we've had about uh, officiating and recruiting of officials uh, in the world of high school sports. And then uh, one of our most common guests, in fact, he may be our most common guest. I'd have to look back through the archives and uh, to confirm that. But Matt Conyers of the Hartford Current is going to help us break down the, uh, the quickly upcoming uh, Boys and Girls Outdoor Track and Field Championships, which will be here before you know it. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, all of those conversations. So a little bit of diverse. We got a little girls tennis. We got some officiating talk, and we got some track and field conversations. So some different things covered uh, in this edition of the CIC cast, which is just the way we like at this time of year. The championships, as I said, are coming up quickly, and we're looking forward to uh, very much looking forward to uh, to that. So that's who we have on tap for this edition of the CIAC cast. So we, uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, so let's get right into it. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, of the, with those folks. But, of course, before we do that, uh, I'd like to remind you to, uh, to, uh, to subscribe to the CIAC cast. You can subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast uh, app on your phone or on your computer, your desktop, whatever. And we'd love if you would subscribe and also uh, rate us and, uh, and leave a review if that's how you choose to listen to us. You can also, uh, of course, listen to the, uh, the CIAC cast at CIACsports.com. And you can follow the CIAC at, uh, on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. And we also enjoy uh, emails from you folks out there, which is uh, the email address is CIACcast at CAS. C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. So we hope you will uh, will get in touch. Let me know uh, who I should be talking to heading into the spring championships. We always uh, try to keep tabs on things uh, as the championships uh, get closer. And uh, so we hope that you will uh, keep an eye on that. And, and let us know who we should be chatting with, who should be our guests, who's going to offer some great insight as we head into the spring championships and then start working our way through those spring championships uh, just a little under a month away we will uh, be wrapping up the spring season with the uh, the championships on uh, June 9th and 10th is the big championship weekend in the spring so that's all on tap uh, for you this episode of the CIAC cast uh, let's take a quick look at things you might have missed at CIACsports.com since our last uh, edition of the CIAC cast Last time out, we uh, we previewed the Scholar-Athlete Banquet along with a few other things. And uh, since then, we've got the list of all of the Scholar-Athletes uh, from the, the, the ceremony a few weekends ago, which is one of our favorite uh, things that we do there at, uh, at the CIAC. Also did a... Um, uh, a feature story on one of the scholar athletes from uh, Public Safety Academies. I hope you'll uh, check that out. Really uh, enjoyed covering that young man and, and writing a little bit about his uh, exceptional journey to the uh, to the stage, the scholar athlete stage, uh, 
Uh, so we hope you'll check that out as well. A couple editions of Linked Up. As always, every Friday we get that, uh, that Linked Up featuring some of the great feature stories uh, from around the state of Connecticut and uh, across the country in the worlds of high school sports or, or somewhat uh, high school sports related. We occasionally will sneak in some things that are uh, you know, not necessarily high school sports, but uh, sports related that can be applied to high school sports. How about that? Uh, so those are just a few of the things. Also put up a story yesterday. Uh, the New England Student Leadership Conference is a big event that uh, is run through uh, some of our partner organizations, partner state associations in Massachusetts every summer. And uh, it's a great opportunity for high school students, high school student leaders, student athletes uh, to, to, to get a great experience. So the uh, applications are now available and all the information uh, about that is available at CICsports.com. So check that out. Uh, if you're a coach, uh, let your uh, some of your athletes know about it. If you're an athletic director, uh, principal, whoever might be listening, uh, let some students know about this opportunity. It's a great opportunity, a great program. Uh, they really put together a great, uh, a great program for the kids that make the trip out there uh, every summer. So it's uh, July 25th through the 28th. And uh, the application deadline is Monday, June 12th. So you got a little bit, a uh, little bit less than a month to get those applications in. And there's a link to the application on CICSports.com. And of course, this time of year, more important than ever, you're going to want to bookmark CIC Tournament Central, uh, tournamentcentral.cicsports.com. There's of course a link from CICSports.com to the Tournament Central page. That is going to be your spot for all of the CIC tournament information so you're going to want to check that out it's got schedules it's going to have rosters it's going to have uh unfortunately with the spring there may be a postponement or two uh that's where that information is going to be you're going to want to uh to keep that page uh, bookmarked and uh, that's where the pairings will be released uh, as soon as everybody is uh, we, we've wrapped up all the regular seasons so you can see uh, the road that your favorite team may have to a, uh, a potential CIAC championship so please tournamentcentral.cicsports.com is the place to be for all of your CIAC tournament information on that page is also a, uh, a few links to sign up for updates, email updates, text updates, whatever you want. It is the best way to get up-to-date information. Uh, I, I've got the email uh, alert at the end of the day. It sends me all of the tournament results from uh, from that day. So that's uh, that's a great way to uh, to do that. Or you can sign up for specific teams, for a specific class, a specific tournament, whatever it is you're looking for. Uh, there's a great number of options there. So hopefully uh, you will avail yourselves of that option. It's a great uh, a great way to uh, to keep up to date with all the tournament happenings uh, there at CICsports.com and Tournament Central. So we hope you will do all of those things. We are very happy that you're joining us, and we're going to talk a little bit about the spring championships. Uh, before we do that, of course, though, we have to give you our message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation about distracted driving. Sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.8 seconds, or 4.6 seconds, excuse me, that point two. Uh, is very important, which driving at 55 miles per hour, this is the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. Please do not text and drive or drive distracted. You know, I was on my way home yesterday from work, and uh, uh, I was getting a text message. I knew it was something. I pulled over. I took my phone out, looked at what was happening on my phone, pulled over, had the signal on, and then put the phone away and started driving again. If that's what you're, uh, if you know you're going to have to something that you want to check, that's the way to do it. Do not drive distracted. Please encourage your friends and family to park the phone when they are behind the wheel 
one text or call could wreck it all. So that's always an important message from the Connecticut Department of Transportation, one that we hope you uh, are taking very seriously if you're listening to this uh, CIAC podcast. And with that, let's get right into our guests this week. We're going to start things off. As I mentioned, the Staples girls tennis coach, Victor Fabian, he's going to be our first guest. We're excited to talk to him a little bit about the girls' tennis season and, uh, and where things are shaping up as we head into the postseason. The spring tennis, uh, the spring championships, excuse me, are, are moving up faster than uh, than you might think, and uh, we're starting to get a little ready for those here on the CIAC Cats. So wanted to reach out and get in touch with uh, Staples Girls head uh, tennis coach Paco Fabian to talk a little bit about the uh, his team and, and the season that they're having and, and the look ahead a little bit towards the championship. So, Coach, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you uh, for having me today. I'm really excited to join you on the podcast. Well, we are happy to have you and talk a little girls' tennis. As I said uh, to, to Coach before we got started, it's uh, not a sport that we've devoted too much time to on the on the podcast. Not to, Unfortunately, not one that has a lot of writers who are dedicated uh, to just covering girls' tennis. So it's not an easy one for me to, to pick the yeah. brain of, uh, of some sports writers. But we're happy to have uh, Coach Fabian with us today. So let's, uh, let's start off here talking just a little bit about your team. And, um, you know, obviously had a very strong season so far. You're about ready to start uh, postseason play actually today the day we're recording but tell me a little bit about your team and, and and the season that you've had and what has kind of gone well for you this year um this was kind of the season that we've been really waiting for uh, a great mixture of uh freshmen through seniors and uh we knew if everyone stuck together and stayed healthy we would have a um, solid year this year um so we're very balanced throughout our lineup um we have uh some very good seniors that have been with us for four years and some uh talented freshmen um, that are really adding to the program, uh, which really helps our depth. The reason why that uh, the Staples Girls program has um, done so well is uh, the depth of our team is so good all the way through our doubles. Mm-hmm. And that's really the strength of our team. Is that something, when you talk about the depth, uh, you know, is that something you feel like you came into the season with, or has that developed um, you know, as the, the season has progressed? Uh, one thing, Coach and, and Westport, I've been really... Uh, lucky to have the depth throughout the years um, of our doubles is that our strength. We actually haven't lost a doubles match all year. And uh, it's something that can really lead us to a team victory. And and it's shown the girls that it doesn't matter what position you play on the team because playing doubles is just as, as important as playing singles. Right. Yeah, no, I know that uh, plays a plays a big role once you start looking at, you know, how the, the team results shake out. Um, you know, going back to last year, uh, the team uh, was able to come away with its first championship in Class L since uh, since 2003. How do you feel like that, you know, success from last spring and, and earning that championship has sort of carried over and, and carried into this season for you? That gave the girls a lot of confidence going into the off season, and um, they were excited and they worked extra hard in the off season trying to uh, build so we are in a position so we can try to repeat. Um, you know, there are some really good teams out there, and it's going to be tough, but um, we, it's been our goal all year is to try to uh, repeat our title, and um, we haven't won an FCAC title in a long time, um, and uh, that's our other goal this year. So we've got two really important tournaments coming up mm-hmm. um, that we've been trying to peak at the end of the year, and hopefully we can do that in the next couple of weeks. 
What is uh, what sort of goes into that for you from a coaching perspective? Obviously, in terms of peaking towards the end of the year, you know, obviously it's a uh, the spring season maybe a little bit more of a sprint than some of our other uh, uh, you know sports seasons. But uh, you know, you still have a lot of regular season matches, and obviously want to treat those with uh, you know the the focus and, and respect that they deserve. But how do you sort of go about trying to get the team peaking uh, towards the end of the year and not uh, you know not sort of being burned out uh, once you get into the the tournament time? Um, I noticed because I, I coach basketball and uh, in tennis, um, in basketball there's two games per week, and in basketball there's three. Uh, sorry, basketball there's two games per week, and in tennis there's three games a week. So what we had to do this year was give a couple of girls some days off um, and um, keep make sure they were fresh and <clears throat> gave them a little break to clear their mind a little bit, mm-hmm. so they weren't burned out for the end of the season. Um, <clears throat> when you're out there playing and practicing every day. Um, sometimes it gets a little tiring, and you need to just clear your head a little bit. And uh, we've done that over the last couple of weeks. And we kept saying, you know, once it gets to tournament time, everybody's going to buckle down, and we're just going to, you know, all focus on tennis and really be there every day to um, really work hard and peak at the end of the season, so we can play our best in the tournaments. Right. What do you do? You feel like there's been other things. Uh, you know, you talked about maybe that confidence level that came from uh, from from earning that title last year. Has, has there been anything else that's been you know different about this season? Uh, either maybe as a result of that, or just from the way kind of the you know obviously I know every season is kind of unique in in maybe in terms of injuries or, or players stepping forward, whatever it might be. How, you know, how has this year been different uh, or felt different to you? Um. Going into the year, we knew we would have really tough competition with uh, Glastonbury and, uh, D- and uh, Darianne. And uh, when we beat those two teams, it really gave our girls a boost of confidence that we were really for real this year. Um, the Darianne match was an, absolute, an unbelievable match. Um, I've coached for a lot of seasons, and I've never been a part of something like that. It was over uh, two days because it was uh, delays or darkness. And uh, both teams had many opportunities to win. And the Darien girls were just as deserving to win that match. And uh, when we came out with a victory in that match, um, it really, you know, the girls believed in it, and they said, we can do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're excited to really try to do the same thing in the tournaments. And we know that uh, some of our team like Darien is going to be very, very tough to beat again. Um, but um, it, it showed that the girls that they can do it. And even the girls that did lose those matches, um, it gave them – a feeling of you know what next time I want to be a win and with and be a part of this like the other four girls were. Sure, um, you know talking a little bit again, sort of uh, as we kind of bounce back and forth between this year and last year. But you know you've been the the coach there as you said for several seasons and and sort of got that you know you, you've certainly been a, a consistently strong program, but then kind of took that final step last year with the CIAC championship and then as you said looking forward to uh, to trying to repeat and then also earn the FCAC title this year you know what has that been like that process of sort of seeing the improvement uh, you know going forward uh, year after year and then you know finally kind of breaking through with the with the title uh, at the end of the season last year what's that process been like of kind of seeing that steady improvement and, and building process so when I first started, we went to the quarterfinals, and we were just happy with that. The next year, we went to the semis, we were happy with that. And then two years ago, we went to the finals, and when we got there, you could tell we were just happy doing that. It was actually mm-hmm. the worst match we played all year at the finals. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then when we got, you know, now that we've got to the point where we know we can get to the finals, yeah. now the girls are looking to win the tournament instead of just happy being there. And that's the difference. They won't be happy just getting to the finals and losing anymore. Um, so it's a really big difference. Uh, mentally, 
um, instead of just being happy winning a couple matches, now they're they want to win the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, we saw teams like Darian beat us two years ago and celebrate, and we want to be the team that's celebrating, but, you know, in the finals because it really does hurt lose in the finals. And you know, sitting there watching the other teams getting trophies and celebrating on the court. So our, our you know our goal is to be the team that's able to celebrate instead of standing there watching the other teams. Yeah, so more of a more of a sort of mindset change and maybe uh, expectation change that that kind of develops uh, over the course of the years uh, as you that, go forward. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. I remember we were just you know so excited to get to the semifinals one year, and you know we didn't really care how we did. And now it's more or less you know we want to win the whole thing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we said that you uh, starting the uh, the FCAC tournament uh, actually today. We're recording this on a Wednesday with the uh, the opening round uh, opening round match, and um, you know, looking ahead a little bit both to to that tournament and then the CIAC tournament. Not to uh, you know to to get too far ahead of yourself. I'm sure as a coach, you're you're trying to keep your kids focused on uh, you know one match at a time. But I'm just kind of curious how you. Uh, you know, give us a little bit of a, bit of a feel for the landscape uh, as you see it. You know, who's uh, who's out there that kind of uh, you think can be challenging to this team, um, you know, and how you maybe see, you know, or how you're viewing kind of the, the tournaments and, and your team's preparation as you uh, as you head into postseason play now. The hard, the hard thing with uh, the league that we're in, the FCX, is, is the, the same teams we play in the FCX tournament usually end up being the same teams that we'll play in the state tournament, mm-hmm. you know, as the rounds go on. Um, where the a team like New Canaan or Greenwich um, will will advance and be very difficult to beat. Um, last year we beat Greenwich in the finals, mm-hmm. and uh, with this year in the girls tennis, the, the, the other two teams that really stand out are Darien and Glastonbury in the state tournament, and uh, they seem like they're uh, definitely uh, the two other top teams besides Staples. So we've kind of focused on you know getting our goal to. To really excelling when we get to play those teams, um, because uh, those are two standout teams, and we respect how good their players are. Yeah, well, there's certainly uh, you look at the uh, the rankings, which are of course unofficial at this point, but sort of the the way everyone's played out. A lot of teams with uh, no losses or one loss or two losses, uh, you know, in that Class L tournament. So looking like it's uh, it's going to be another good one. Just kind of uh, you know, sort of big picture, and and I'll let you wrap up with this. But how are you feeling about your team's preparation and, and that work that you've kind of put in to to get everybody focused and and uh, and hopefully healthy and rested as you uh, as you get to this time of year. How are you feeling about Staples and uh, the team and uh, and its chances going forward? Um, we're really confident going forward. Uh, we've been trying to keep a really loose approach. A lot of joking around. Um, you know, having fun on the bus rides, going home and dancing and singing. The girls are doing. Um, and uh, we're just trying to keep a loose approach, like you said, to make sure they don't get burned out. And just make sure they're a fun group that has a lot of chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've noticed with coaching girls that they need to be really positive and they need to have fun to, to, to perform their best. And when they're uh, tight and a little nervous, they don't perform like they really should. So our goal this year has been to be to make this just a really fun group. Um, you know, and the girls have really enjoyed hanging out and being together. And that has really just propelled us to, you know, being the best team we can be. And now that you know we're in the tournaments. Now we have to, you know, buckle down and, and really get things going. And hopefully starting today we can get a win versus Richfield and uh, move forward and just win, take it round by round. Very good. Well, we uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. Of course, as you said, the uh, the the league tournaments in the uh, in Fairfield County start off today. They're uh, going on around the state as well. I know at least if not starting today, then in the next few days, and then uh, 
the uh, the CIC tournaments uh, pairings will be announced uh, a week from Friday, so Friday the 26th, and then uh, it'll be right on into that. So, Coach, we uh, we greatly appreciate you taking a little time to talk about uh, talk about the season, talk about the team's success, and uh, we wish you best of luck going forward. Thanks so much. Thank you, Adam, for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Coach Fabian. I know we don't have coaches on all that often here on the CIC cast, but thought that would be a good way to uh, to get a little insight into the uh, the girls' tennis season as uh, we head into that part of the uh, the championship. So we're looking forward to uh, to seeing how the tennis championships will shake out as we move our way through May and into June. So appreciate that uh, conversation with a coach. And uh, as we said, next up. Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican-American. He wrote a uh, feature story recently that was uh, included in our last edition of Linked Up, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk to little him a little bit about that story and also how it ties in to some conversations we've been having about uh, officials here on the CIAC cast and at the CIAC. So we've got Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican-American. Very happy to have on the phone with us today uh, one of our favorites, a gentleman who we haven't had on the podcast for quite a while now that I think about it. But, uh, well, happy to welcome Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican American. Uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. I was starting to get offended at my lack of invitation. Well, you know, hey, we uh, we heard you had been <laughs> under the kidding, weather, I'm so kidding. we had to offer a pick-me-up <laughs> and, uh, and get you on the <laughs> podcast here. So. We, uh, we, we are always happy to bring you on, and in this case, uh, had a specific story that you uh, had written in the Republican American uh, uh, recently that we kind of thought was a, was a good one and, and tied into some things we've been doing here with the CIAC. So um, kind of let you, you talk a little bit about that. You wrote recently about uh, sort of a tribute that uh, some area baseball teams put together for, for an umpire. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about the, the story and, and kind of how it came to your attention? Yeah, so... Um so last fall, a uh, long-time umpire in our area named John Bellino, um, he, uh, he died unexpectedly. He was in his 70s, um, but was still a very active umpire. Um, had just actually worked the Mickey Mantle World Series uh, in Waterbury. Um, <clears throat> so, so he had been umpiring for decades um, and suddenly died. And uh, it left, left a lot of the, the teams around this area, um, you know, sort of, uh, sort of shell-shocked when the season came up and mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of coaches who uh, have been around for a long time, um, they develop these relationships with umpires. You know, it's not as as some fans uh, would like to think it. You know, these coaches and the umpires hate each other. Right. Um, a lot of the times that is not the case. A lot of the times they're good friends. A lot of times they, you know, get to be a lot more casual during summertime uh, baseball games and whatnot. <clears throat> so, uh, and two, John was just a really, um, he's just a really unique guy, very personable um, again, you get these umpires, you know, buttoned up, gruff, you know, yelling, yelling strikes and outs. But he was um, a very, um, very welcoming guy, very good personality. Always worked well with the coaches and the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and is one of the favorites among other umpires to work with. So um, when the season came um, this year, um, there's been a couple of different tributes for him. Um, the uh, the local umpire board um, bought. Uh, some some black uh, wristbands with John Bellino's name on them, so they were being distributed to umpires and coaches who have been wearing them for the season. Um, <clears throat> Pomperog um, actually stitched his initials into their hats that they've been using this season. Um, but uh, the one that caught my attention, I just happened to be at the Wolcott Seymour baseball game at French Park. Um, I think it was at the end of April, and um, 
I saw Wolkett wearing these warm-up T-shirts, their undershirts for the jerseys, mm-hmm. these gray shirts uh, with the last name Bellino on it, and they all had the number five, which was uh, John's umpire number. And um, and just so happened when, when I showed up, I saw that John's son, Joe, um, was doing the plate umpiring. And Joe's been an umpire in the area for, he's probably going on 20 years now, and he and his father worked a lot of games together. Um, you know, they were just awesome, awesome guys to work with. Two of the best umpires you know, in terms of actual on-field umpiring around, but but you know, also just great guys. Um, love working together. So, um, so I, I just so happened to see, and I got a couple pictures that day, and um, so I decided, you know, I, I talked to Wilkett, Wilkett's coach Terry Scott mm-hmm. um, to see you know, what the deal was with these shirts, and, and he said that. Um, he and John had a long relationship for you know three decades, all the way going back to when Terry um, Terry used to play in the Red Sox organization. When he was done with that, he, he played in the Twy Met League in Waterbury, and John Bellino was running the league at the time. Um, so they knew each other for 30 years, had just a, a great, great relationship, and and it really hurt um, Terry when John died over the off season. So mm-hmm. Terry wanted to pay tribute to John that uh, this season with those shirts, and it just so happened that. The shirts came in. Um, they arrived to the team just in time for that game that Joe was umpiring that day. Um, so, so Joe was in the parking lot above the field, and he looked down and he saw a kid wearing Bolino on the back of his jersey. So he says to his partner, "Oh, would you look at that? You know, they got a kid named Bolino on the team." And then, uh, then he looks around. And he sees two more kids running with the Bolino on his back. And uh, at that point, you know, he realized between that and the number five. Um, what was going on, and, and when he finally gets out on the field, uh, he and Terry Scott, um, they shared a nice moment, you know, some tears and uh, some big hugs, and, and then they got back to their normal uh, <laughs> joking back and forth throughout the game. Sure. Uh, I, I asked Terry, you know, were you trying to buy any calls here or something like that? <laughs> and he said, uh, no, no, he said, he said, uh, he said that Joe missed the strike call, he thought, at one point, and, uh, and Terry yelled out, Hey, your father just told me that was a bad call. So they were they were they were all having a good time with it. But um, Joe was really touched by it. I, I talked to him for about a half hour afterwards, and um, you know, it's been it's been tough for him. He and sure. he and his father uh, were best friends, and they would talk multiple times a day. They would umpire a lot of times, you know, five six times a week um, for the last fifteen twenty years. So it's been tough for him. But it was very nice to see the tribute that. Um, these teams, these coaches make, you know, a lot of times umpires and referees and everything, they're sort of the forgotten forgotten link in high school sports, and, mm-hmm. and they're easy to be ridiculed and not appreciated. Um, and it was nice to see um, the appreciation shown, not only for John's memory, but for Joe, who's still out there and uh, doing it very, very well. Yeah, so it was, uh, you, you, you said that was, you know, kind of my, my follow-up question. Uh, you know, this was not, obviously, as you said, it, it just happened that the, the jerseys uh, came in for the game that uh, that Joe was going to be there and, and working. Did, you know, did the um, did did the manager know that that was, was happening? It, you know, obviously that wasn't the plan, but did he, when was he aware that that was, you know, that Joe was going to be at that game and uh, and, and kind of the, how, the, how well it was going to uh, play itself out there? Yeah, you know, I don't, believe that um that he knew most of the time um coaches don't get the heads up as to who's going to be umpiring their game that day right um i know when i talked to uh Pomprog coach uh, mike eisenbach um he had 
uh, early in the season, um, he, he asked Jeff Goodrich, you know, hey, if you can, give me a heads up with, to when Joe is going to be doing one of our games. We'd like to give him a hat. So mm-hmm. I know that uh, Mike did get a heads up. They presented Joe with a hat um, at the first game of the season. Uh, actually, his captains, uh, the Pomperoy captains and the Pomperoy coaching staff had all gone to John Bellino's wake um, in the fall. So, so they had already, um, you know, uh, were very much in the mind of Joe for what sure. they had done. And to get that hat, you know, was appreciated. So um, I don't think Terry was necessarily planning that. I'm sure he knew at some point, right. um, you know, they were going to be able to see him. It just happened to be that day where they, they just had these shirts. <laughs> so it all it all just planned out or all just worked out um, very well. And uh, and like I said, just just a really nice moment for those couple of guys. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, that's the, the – we, we talk about the relationships of high school sports, you know, and it's the coaches, it's the players, it's and it is the the officials and umpires as well are all sort of part of one big uh, one big family. Even when they they maybe don't always get along, uh, that's kind of the way it works. But that's uh, really a beautiful uh, kind of way that the that they were able to pay tribute to him. Did you get a sense or, or talk to any of the kids at all about you know the what what sort of how much they were aware of what they were uh, you know paying tribute to and, and kind of what their response was to the to the uh, to what they were doing. Yeah, the um, the kids know um, John. You know, it's they're in high school now, but John also he's at the level where a lot of these kids will play. You know, Kofax, uh mantle ball. You know, when they're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. So even before they're playing at varsity, they've seen him. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he had such a, a personality. He was so outgoing. He was always willing to give advice. Um, I, I, one of the ways that Terry described him was. You know, he was really—he was really a player's umpire. He would—he would tell you, you know, if you struck out, you know, that ball just hit the corner, or, or if you're a pitcher, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd, he'd give you slack to, to try to state your case, but he'd also put his foot down. You know, you know, that's enough. And and Terry said that, um, you know, players and coaches—they just—they you respect that when yeah. when a guy gives you room, um, you know, to play the game the right way. And uh, so yeah, the kids all. All knew who they were paying tribute to. Um, you know, Mike Eisenbach told me that that he had ex players, he had players on his team who were all reached out to him at the time that John died. You know, to pass along their their sympathy. And and uh, Terry said that all of his kids, all these Wolka kids, were very proud to be wearing those shirts that day. Um, so you know, this, this wasn't just something um, you know that that a coach or a couple of coaches did. You know, to to pay tribute. It, there's really full program tributes um, between coaches and kids all the way down the line. Yeah, no, it's really, a, as you said, really a t- tremendous gesture. And I said, you know, we sort of uh, – um you know, I, I think the story would have resonated uh, regardless, but, uh, you know, it's something that the CIAC and, and our national organization, for folks who have, uh, are familiar with the podcast, uh, have we talked about a couple, uh, a couple episodes ago about this sort of national uh, recruiting campaign now to, to kind of bring more officials into the fold because it's becoming a, a real concern at the high school level, um, you know, that, the, that people simply aren't uh, – aren't willing uh, for whatever reason or aren't as willing to, to, to get involved and, and be officials and umpires. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, you've obviously you've seen a lot of games, you, you've watched a lot, you're involved, uh, you know, in all of this. I'm curious sort of what your, you know, perspective would be on, you know, what might 
you know, kind of uh, be keeping folks away from that that umpiring profession and and what maybe could be done to to try and you know make it a little more appealing and, and make it something that folks are, are willing to kind of be involved with as 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 sort of uh, as much as the Bellino family obviously is uh, you know to earn the kind of respect and, and relationships that those folks have. I'm just kind of curious on your your perspective on it from what you've seen uh, over the years in high school sports. Yeah, it's interesting because I. Um when I was growing up, I officiated um, in our youth sports leagues. I, I did basketball probably for five or six years. I umpired for six or seven years. Um, you know, so I have those experiences under my belt, and, and I'd like to you know, one day get back into it um, you know, myself. So you know, I, I have these perspectives. I've, I've coached, I've umpired, and now I write. Um, I've played. You know, so I have some time in all of these different roles. and. Mm-hmm. It's easy for people to get caught up, you know, in moments and, and get selfish and, you know, think that umpires or referees have, you know, these motives behind them. You know, he hates me, this and that. It's just, it's not the case. Yeah. In in certain moments, it can certainly become the case if you just belabor <laughs> it and try to embarrass an umpire sure. or referee. Um, but uh, most, uh, the vast majority um, are doing their best out there and they don't take things personally. They They hold themselves to a much higher level than... Frankly, a lot of coaches, uh, players, and especially fans hold themselves to it a lot of times. Um, <clears throat> but, but having said that, it is not um, it's not a particularly forgiving um, job out there. You know, in one one way, you're not a professional if you're a high school umpire or a youth umpire. Mm-hmm. But you know, in, in other ways, you are getting paid to do the job. So there is the expectation out there for for you to be performing very well, for basically you not to be noticed. Yeah. Um, you know, the best job I always felt that, you know, I could do is just have no one say anything to me all game. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or, or both sides yelling equally him out. Um, <laughs> it's, so it, it's tough. It, it's a tough standard. No one wants to get berated, and, uh, no matter what you're getting paid for it. Um, so it takes a certain type of person to... Um, being official, you can't be nervous. You got to be willing to stay by a call. You got to be able to communicate. You can't just say that's my call, sticking to it. Don't say anything. Yep. You know the best umpires communicate, um, and that's how you earn the respect of of coaches and players. So um, it does take that type of person. Um, you know, in the world these days, you know the types of people who can have rational arguments with each other and, and still not be bitter. That mm-hmm. seems to be decreasing by the day. Um, so, so it, it's difficult. It, it'd be great to see um, more people at least be willing. I think it changes fans' behavior when you've been on that side. Sure, certainly changes mine. I mean, I'm a slow pitch softball player now for our <laughs> fire department, and I don't get fired up. I'm the one having to pull our guys off the umpire sometimes because I've been there. I know it doesn't help, um, you know, to, to get down uh, on the umpire. So, um, you know, it's it's something that it'll always continue to be a little bit of a struggle I, I think now that there is some awareness out there that hey we need um we need people to to uh, become officials so that kids can keep having these opportunities uh, i think that message is going to be helpful um but uh you know it's, it's something that, hey, you know give it a try you don't have to get thrown into the state championship fire right away you get right. to start it freshman and sub-varsity levels and get your feet under you. If you figure out that it's right for you, then great. If not, you know, you you, you were in the position to allow some kids to get some playing time. So uh, uh, worth a shot if you can make the make the commitments. I know the hours aren't always the 
easiest for some people in their jobs, but right. uh, I, I certainly recommend it. I'm looking forward to uh, the point in my career when I can hopefully get back to that. Yeah, no, it, uh, it it's uh, I think you make a lot of a lot of interesting and compelling points there. You know, you you sort of need somebody who's uh, who who's both you know self confident enough to you know to sort of have have the confidence to do it, but also maybe humble enough to know that they're not always going to be right. And you know, it's it's yep. a it's a tough uh, it's a tough job. And I think you know we sort of always I think there's always been this feeling that it's a uh, you know not um, you know it's it can be a uh, a job that doesn't have you know, a huge reward, you know, you sort of, you have to be kind of in it for your own reasons a little bit in terms of, you know, you got to feel good about it. You're not going to get people always praising you, but uh, it feels like we've maybe swung a little bit, uh, you know, too far in, in terms of, you know, nobody's obviously expecting them to be perfect, but, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, we've swung maybe a little too far in terms of not appreciating the folks who are out there and, and, and trying to uh, doing their best. Uh, you know, they're not going to get everything right, but we got to, Make sure that we're appreciating those folks, and and to because as you say, they're uh, the, the the games do not go on without them. So <laughs> if if we like to see these competitions and the 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 growth that comes from up for kids and the opportunities and experiences, we uh, we need people who are willing to uh, you know to to take that uh, to take that heat and uh, and maybe the if if folks are just aware of that and and maybe dial down the heat you know even to ninety five degrees instead of a hundred degrees, it might <laughs> might be beneficial for the for the people and for the recruiters. Effort. So uh, it, uh, we hope that that is the case, and, and certainly uh, we'd love to see you out there, Mr. Brennan. We'll, uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll keep your name in the, in the hopper for our uh, recruiting yeah, I'll efforts. You, I'll here. give you a nice space to plaster all over the website. There. That's exactly right. We'll, uh, we'll do a nice photo <laughs> shoot with you and your, your uniform, and uh, it'll be perfect for us here. So uh, I've, I've plugged it before. Highschoolofficials.com is, our, uh, is the website to go to. Um, if folks happen to be interested, and this was uh, this conversation is what uh, spurred their uh, their decision to go check it out. So go to highschoolofficials.com. You can sign up there, and, and someone from our office will actually get in touch with with uh, with interested parties. So we hope that that uh, is is something for people. And uh, and Kyle, really appreciate it. Really great story, as you said, and uh, you know a, a wonderful sort of glimpse at, at the the benefits that can come from from making that sacrifice and being willing to to put yourself out there as an official. So we appreciate it. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks, as always, to Kyle. Always happy to have him on. He's a very chatty gentleman. And uh, as I said, I really appreciated that story that he wrote. And uh, and as we said, uh, the, 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 the desire to recruit officials uh, is something that's certainly become a focus for the CIAC. We had the... Uh, uh, someone from the National Federation on with us a few episodes ago to talk a little bit about the uh, the national organization and its recruiting efforts. So go to highschoolofficials.com if... Uh, if you were moved by that story that Kyle told and, uh, and, and it, uh, it moved you to uh, consider becoming a, uh, an official at the high school level. Highschoolofficials.com, uh, you enter a little information, and we'll, uh, we'll get in touch with you and, and help you take it from there. So we appreciate uh, Kyle getting in touch and talking a little bit about that great story that he wrote. Hope you'll check that out at, uh, at Linked Up. That was last week's edition uh, of Linked Up. Let me check the date on that because my brain uh, doesn't properly uh you know keep track of these things here let's see that would have been the uh let's see home page here as i talk my way through this the linked up the 512 edition of linked up is the one that that would have uh, been a part of so you can uh, find that at cicsports.com and it's i know that's riveting podcasting as you listen to me uh, click my way through our website 
And now let's wrap it up. As always, we're going to get in touch with uh, with Matthew Conyers. I think I mentioned he may be our most frequent podcast guest, and it's because the guy has a ton of information and loves talking about high school sports. So we're going to get in touch with Matt. He's going to help us break down the upcoming uh, track and field championships, which will be the first championships on the docket as we head into the spring sports season. The spring sports championships are coming up faster than uh, than you might think. And uh, as we always do, that means uh, track and field is going to start things off in the spring. And that means we've got to get send out the bat signal and get Matthew Conyers from the Hartford Current on the phone to help uh, our listeners get ready and, and keep tabs on what's going to be coming up. So, Matthew, as always, we appreciate you uh, coming on and bringing some information with you. Pleasure to be on once again, Joel. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy talking with you about it. Well, we are looking forward to it. So let's uh, let's dive right in here. We've got the uh, the outdoor track and field championships. Boys and girls will be the first championships on the docket in the spring season. They're kicking off on uh, May 30th with the uh, Class L and Class M championships. So we'll uh, and then we'll of course take place over a series of days, followed by the Open on June 5th. So we'll start with some of the class championships, and we're not going to ask Matt to break down uh, in detail all uh, all ten championships over five classes, but we will say, uh, Matt, as we head into it, uh, you know, what are some of the teams that you're most interested in and, and think fans are going to kind of want to uh, keep tabs on as we head into the championship season? You know, Joel, when I, when I look at the class championship, there's one meet in particular that stands out, and that's because of the kind of the themes entering it. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be Class M because you've got Bloomfield, who has the state record now. They won 10 straight class uh, titles last year. They enter it more vulnerable than they've ever been before, maybe in the last decade or so. Uh, it, it even go The last couple of years they've been close a little bit, but it's, you never really went into it thinking, you know, it's going to end. Mm-hmm. There's a very strong possibility that Bloomfield's record run for not me trying to overhype something, not me trying to uh, create a, uh, an event here. It, it is very realistic. If you look back at the indoor season, Bloomfield did lose. They, went, they actually finished outside the top two. Many years they finished uh, third in the Class S meet. Now they move up to M, and they've got several competitors waiting to the You've got North Coast Catholic, who won M last year. It was a little bit of a surprise win, a very strong team. Uh, a little bit of a different look for uh, uh, North Coast Catholic this year, but uh, once again, very strong in the relays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got the best hurdler in the state, uh, or certainly one of the best hurdlers in the state, in Asa Guest, who was our 55 hurdles champ in the indoor season. You've got the Tallinn boys, who've got a really a two-headed monster when you look at it in the sense that they have Josh Bedard, one of the best distance and middle distance runners. Uh, he'll probably run the 8 and the 16 and then be thrown in a uh, relay. And then you've got Devin Shaw. If he score about 30 points, he's that much of a threat in the jumps and the sprints. Right. So you've got Tallinn, Northwest Catholic. You've got Seymour, who's a very good team. So M really strikes, stands out to me because you've got a little bit of history. Uh, you've got Bloomfield going to trying to keep their streak alive. And then you've got these kind of other teams that have been waiting for this big moment to unseat the champs. Now, before I jump too far ahead, <laughs> Bloomfield still is in pretty good position. I'm not saying they're going to lose. They're just more vulnerable than, than the, in the past. And I think they are a much better team than what they were in the indoor season. And if anything, that loss during indoor season helped the Bloomfield boys realize what they need to do, how they need to step up. Uh, the, the more events in outdoor will benefit Bloomfield, so it will still be close. Uh, but there's a lot of intrigue with that meet in particular. Uh, then you look at, at some of these other new, you have some new matchups. Like you have Tallinn, 
Colin Girls, who set the record last year for most straight class wins mm-hmm. in M, they've now moved up to double M. They face Avon, a team that didn't get a lot of hype. They won a championship last year. They still haven't got a lot of hype this year. They're just a very team dynamic. I've got to be clear when I say that. Just a more balanced team. There's not too many superstars on the team, but they're going to do it because they have a nice balance on the roster. Right. So they could be a dark horse. If Tallinn doesn't score as many points as we expect them to do, if they come back down to earth, if some other teams step up, surprise, Avon's going to be right there, Berlin's right there, Guilford's right there. That's another very interesting meet in Class M. I like Class L. Uh, you've got uh, Middletown looking to win a title that just kind of got stolen from them and indoors uh, by Hall. Hall came back late. Hall comes in with all the momentum, winning their first title in 62 years. They want to contend again. And then you got Manchester who's got the, the numbers, got the people, but we quite haven't seen that performance that we thought we might see from them mm-hmm. indoors to outdoors. But they have the potential to come in and surprise us. Uh, so there's a lot of great meets this year in the sense that we're seeing some different matchups. Uh, it's not just the straight-up uh, Windsor versus so-and-so or Weston versus so-and-so or Hill House versus so-and-so. We're seeing new matchups, and that kind of breathes new life in the sport a little bit. But I think when you start about it, when you start talking about it, you have to look at Class M and the Bloomfield boys with title streak. And the girls have their own streak, but they're not going to lose. I can say that right now, and you can put me <laughs> on the record for that one. So, All right. Uh, well, uh, they're, they're that is that has been recorded and uh, it is on the official record then. So you you talked a little bit about you know maybe uh, some diversifying some of the the champions and some of the competition this year, um, but with some of those usual suspects, is there anyone you know maybe off the radar a little bit that you think maybe not in terms of winning a championship, but might uh, you know surprise some people or, or some teams that aren't as uh, aren't as familiar uh, you know kind of in the mix in some of these track championships that you think could make some noise. Uh, in the outdoor championships coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, Joel, it's, it's been over 40 years, and in fact, it's been more than that. Uh, it might be close to 50. I'm doing the simple math. You know, I'm, I'm a sports writer, so we don't do math that well. <laughs> it's been over it's, – it's 45 years this year that Coventry won a state title in track and field, uh, and that was in Class F. They've got a chance to do it again. Obviously, Bluefield moving up has opened the doors to a lot of teams mm-hmm. in Class F for boys. Uh, it's kind of made it a mad scramble, another interesting matchup. But I really liked what Coventry showed during the indoor season. Uh, they really bought into the team dynamic. Connor Otay, one of the best distance runners in the state, mid-distance runners in the state, he sacrificed some of the individual glory to go out there, help his team. They were a surprise runner-up indoors. Now, we haven't seen that much from them outdoors yet. They've kind of been a little bit lurking in the weeds, hiding a little, so to speak. We just haven't seen the performances that really strike and go, hey, they're, they're a favorite. Mm-hmm. But they start, uh, I, I think they'll start to get ramped up this weekend. They go to the Journal Enquirer track meet, the Randy Smith meet that it's now called. And that will be a really a showcase meet for them. We will see what they're made of, how healthy they are. They've got Retay. They've got also a great triple jumper. They've got some guys that score points. They're going to be good in the relays. They're always consistent in the throws going back at least the last 15 years. So here's a team that has, has always been quality. You've always gotten a good couple performers, but they've really never challenged at the state level. Uh, a, a great coaching staff, an enthusiastic coaching staff, they're going to come in. If, if they get the springboard, which I think they will at the JIME, they're going to come in with a lot of energy and what are these teams that you really should watch 
Uh, and they're going to be fun to watch. Like I said, they, they'll mix and match. They'll, they know that they have to use the relays. They might have to sacrifice some of those points in individual events to win. So, and you're also talking about a 45-year streak uh, right. for them to being in the top two. Uh, so that's a team I'm really keeping an eye on on the boys' side. On the girls' side, it, it sounds silly, but uh, I was at the Greater Hartford Invitational uh, last week, and Avon's there. They're putting up good performances, and we're still not talking about Avon. They won a title last year. They caught everybody by surprise last year. Berlin was kind of the team we talked about. Now, Berlin's good again, uh, but I think Avon's got that chance, however odd it might be to say this, uh, to be that surprise kind of under-the-radar team as a champion because they're going against uh, a talent team uh, in uh, class double uh, M. I also really like the old Sabre girls. Uh, they're not going to actually have a, such a tall order against uh, Bluefield, but I think they're going to score well. I think they're going to be in contention for a top three spot. And the old Sabre boys, they're the team that always uh, kind of took it on the chin when it came to going against Bloomfield in Class S. Now they've got a chance. That, that Class S is open. Coventry is there. They're there. There's a few other teams there. But this is what Old Sabre has been waiting for for some time, the opportunity to finally bring home that title without Bloomfield stealing it away. So there's another team, a team we talk about, but sometimes doesn't get the attention when it comes to championship season. Uh, Old Sabre on both the boys and girls' side. So. Very good. Lots of uh, lots of intrigue, lots of different things. We love to see that. Uh, and as you said, you know, a nice uh, th- th- adding some storylines here as, as teams get moved around from uh, from the classes that maybe they've uh, traditionally been in uh, due to enrollment and other things. So we uh, we look forward to that. Give me um, and obviously you've hit on a few of the the standout performers that are going to lead some of those teams uh, into the championships. But give me maybe uh, you know a couple handful, however many you want. I don't care. Uh, you know, athletes that you're really excited to see uh, compete at the championship level now that we're, uh, you know, getting through the, the end of the regular season. Yeah, you always want to look at those record-breaking potential performances, right? Those yep. performances that could end some records. Uh, we, we came off the of indoor season with so much excitement when it was, when talking about Cassidy Pop. First break, seven seconds in the 55. Uh, the, 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 the task is a little taller in the outdoor season, but she's another one that has that game-changing ability to go out there and drop a time low. Uh, and she carries so much momentum. She kind of found herself. She had her struggles last year and really started to find herself. So I'm, I'm curious what she can do in the 100 and the 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, really the guy I'm looking forward to watching is his final year. We've watched him grow up on the track. He's done nothing but dominate since he's gotten to outdoor season. Is Mark Doyle at Weaver. Right. He's kind of helped put Weaver, uh, give Weaver – a, a good spot in the limelight. Uh, unfortunately, the school's gone through a lot of changes. Uh, the, the enrollment is so down. It used to be such a power in track and field, and now they can and they only have about 20, 25 kids at best. I mean, I may, might be exaggerating coming out for the team. Doyle's kind of worn that Weaver emblem with a lot of pride, and, and he's talked a lot about going after Sheldon Simpson's record. Mm-hmm. He's been close. He hasn't quite gotten it. Um, so I think there's, he faces... He says he doesn't face pressure, but there is a little bit of pressure. I, I'm just really curious uh, to see how he does. I think he's handled himself very well this season, avoided injuries, not over-racing. Uh, he's going to come into the uh, championship season fresher than he's ever been, Joel. Uh, and I think, you know, he ran 10-6-2 in the 100 last year. The record's 10-4-8. He is certainly going to be in the 10-5. If we get a good weather day, uh, maybe a little cooler today, something in the 80s, 
where he can, you know, not have to worry about it being cool, not have to worry about wind. If you remember, we've had some funky weather days in the yeah. state open class meets. If he gets that pristine weather day like uh, uh, <laughs> the Jamaicans like him like, he has the potential to finally break that record that he's been talking about and has been there for a while. Sheldon Simpson set that record in 2000, so it's been around for a long time. I, I also look at some athletes like Mark that have been on the scene for a while. This is their last opportunity to do something special. You look at Elizabeth Lodge at Manchester. She, she jumped five, six indoors, never done it outdoors. as a state open New England champ uh, and the uh, class double L champ last year, but she still hasn't got that great height. The maybe is this year, does she get that storybook ending, go mm-hmm. off with five seven? You look at the Talon girls, Kathy Loretto just ran five oh two on May thirteenth at the Greater Hartford Invitational, uh, against a really fast field. So what can she do? Can she get down to four fifty five? This is another girl that we, we followed her whole career coming up, helps Talon win multiple state opens uh, in two thousand fifteen. This is her swan song before she goes to uh, the class class double uh sorry, Boston College next mm-hmm. year. So there's another one that you're kind of keeping an eye on watching. And, and then a guy that we haven't talked about, uh, hasn't been on the radar a lot, uh, but is really bursting on the scene this year is Jevin Frett in the 200 and the 400 for Manchester. Uh, he's run some really fast times early. He's kind of the guy that was not in the limelight, not in the spotlight at the start of the year, but he's stealing it from some of these guys, the, the mainstays, the doilies, uh the guys that we have been used to the last couple of years being right. up there, Jevin Pratt, Manchester is now one of these guys we're really watching. And Jason Pinnock uh, going to Pittsburgh to play football, maybe the best athlete in the state when it comes down to it. Can he throw off a big long jump, something big in the long jump? Uh, it's going to be interesting at the J.I. meet coming up this weekend. He'll go against Israel at Athena, and those two can both go 22. We're going to get good weather at the J.I. It might be a really fun long jumping competition. Excellent. So we look forward to that. We look forward to some of the, uh, you know, the uh, league championship meets coming up in the next week or so. Uh, you know, you'll start to see folks uh, how they're uh, how they're kind of tapering and peaking uh, at this time of year for those meets as well. That'll give us maybe a, even a little bit more insight into who we should be looking at for uh, for championship performances here in the uh, in the coming weeks. So how about uh, let's get? Uh, I will hold you down to maybe uh, two or three events, but give us a couple of marquee events. You know, whether it's at the class meet or uh, or projecting ahead to the open but uh, a couple events on the boys and girls sides that are really ones that you're you know whether it's the the competition how it may break down you know possible records falling or or, or whatever it is that intrigues you about it but what are some of the uh, the, the events that fans can really look forward to at uh, at the championships Joel one, one event that stood out to me at the greater Hartford invite and I think it's going to continue to play out this way is uh, the pole vault, and, and, and it's a little bit surprising. This is from the girls' side and the boys' side. Uh, last year we really saw a duel at the state open, but what, I'm, what caught me at the, on Saturday at the Greater Hartford meet was that we now have Amy Aaron Zadrogoff Tallinn and Megan, and I I'm hopefully don't butcher this name, uh, Biscolio, I'm going to say it wrong, uh, but Megan Biscolio from Southington, and again, I apologize if I got that. <laughs> if I butchered that name, but she actually that's why we're writers. At, yeah, that's exactly right. And I've talked to the girl multiple times, so I feel bad. Um, but they, she beat Amy Aaron, who is the state open champ, for the first time uh, the other day, and that kind of enlivened a little bit of a rivalry. Megan's really come on. Last year, she didn't vault better than I think eight six was her vault, uh, best vault, and now she's standing as the second one of the best vaulters in the state. 
so from the, that stand, from the greater Hartford area, you've got two competing girls pole vaulters that can go 12 feet. We don't always get that. You, you, you'll know some years the, the, the vault measurements can be very low, so now that's a, it's a interesting growing rivalry. Of course, you've got the athletes from downstate that are going to inject some enthusiasm into them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the boys' side, you've got Terrence Cook from Simsbury. You've got Devin McShane from Hand. And you've got Milan from Weston. There's three guys that can go really high, and they are going to be right there all together. Uh, come championship day, it might be a toss-up who brings it home. Terrence is really coming on. Milan so steady, and Devin just Devin has the ability to go big. So these guys are all going uh, for broke this season. The pole ball is going to be very kind of electrifying because you're going to see them matching wits, going back and forth, matching performances. Uh, the throws have picked up. We've kind of highlighted the throws a lot the last couple of years. Uh, you want to keep an eye on it because Brittany Jones is somebody at Bloomfield who has the ability to go long. She just missed the record indoors. She's going to be going for it again. She's got the best throwing coach in the state and Coach Damian Country Larkins. He's going to have her prime for a PR position at the end of the year. She's going to Virginia, uh, which is a throwing uh, uh, hotbed mm-hmm. in, in college athletics. So she's really going to want to come into the college uh, scene with a, a big performance. So she's going to be trying to go long. And then you look at the 1600. The girls' 1600 was electrifying, and I keep using that word, but it was just a great race. You had nine girls go under 517 at the Greater Hartford Meet. That's a month before we get the, basically a month before the state open. That means we're going to get some good fast times if we get the right weather uh, for the girls' 1600. I'm looking forward to that. The 200 in both events are going to be interesting. You've got heavy favorites. Can someone pull off the surprise there? Uh, and finally, you know, you look down. What about the jumps? We mentioned uh, in the long jump you got Pinnock and Israel Adesina. The long jump could be another one um, that maybe we won't have the record-breaking performances, but we could see a lot of guys throwing their hat in the mix and, and trying to stir up something uh, and get something done. Very exciting. Looking forward to uh, to keeping tabs on everything over the next few weeks. As we said, the uh, the, the class championships kick off on May 30th. The uh, L and M meets L at Middletown, M at Willowbrook Park in uh, New Britain. Then on the 31st, you have uh, the double M at Middletown and the double L at Willowbrook Park in New Britain, and then S on June 1st at New Britain, and then the Open Championships at uh, Willowbrook Park on June 5th. So we'll get you out of here on this, Matt, and I know uh, a lot could depend on the uh, – you know, how the, the class meets shake out. But uh, just a, a little preliminary sort of uh, per perspective and projection uh, on the Open Championship. Last year, uh, uh, Bloomfield on the girls' side and Weathersfield on the boys' side were able to uh, to come away with the Open titles. Uh, this year in, in indoor track and field, it was uh, a, uh, a dominant performance from Danbury on the boys' side and, and the Bloomfield girls able to take the, uh, the Open Championships indoor. So how do you, uh, you know, a, a real kind of quick uh, brief or, or, you know, I know, uh, as I said, a lot can change depending on who qualifies and who's healthy. It's still a long way off. But uh, how would you sort of handicap the, the Open titles at this point uh, a few weeks out? All eyes will, Joel, all eyes will be on Bloomfield. This is... This is not hyperbole. This is not maybe blowing smoke. Uh, this is this is all real. Bluefield girls are one of the best out, or certainly the deepest, most talented outdoor track and field track and field teams we've seen in the history of the state. That that is not hyperbole. You look at their performance indoors. You look who they have coming back. If they remain healthy, they can not only they they won seven events indoors, which is remarkable. They could top that number outdoors if everything goes well. 
that that's the type of potential they have. I just, you know, oftentimes in sports, you look at the dominant team, the superpower team, and you, you kind of want to root against them. You want to root for the upset. That That's human nature. I get that. Uh, and, and we love covering underdog stories. We love covering upsets and surprises. And if someone comes out of the woodwork and, and really puts together an amazing performance, kudos to them. But at the same time, I hope people are really appreciating what they get to see with the Bloomfield girls. This is a special team, a team that has the potential to win eight or nine events wow. in outdoor track and field. That just doesn't come along that often. Yeah. Uh, maybe they won't do it. Maybe that's a high goal for them. But this is a remarkable team. I expect them to go in there. They, they peak perfectly indoors. I expect them to do it again outdoors. Uh, again, in outdoors, it sometimes comes down to the weather a little bit, especially sure. with sprinters. But uh, this is a special team. They have a chance to do something very rare. They've been up there. Their experience, uh, it, it is a senior class that Ann Burroughs, the coach, uh, I, I'm confident in saying will never have again. It, it just five kids going to college athletics, five kids that are dominant, uh, that are putting up state best type performances. Uh, it is a very rare team. They will be the team that everybody's talking about, the team that everybody's focusing in and on again. And rightfully so, they've earned it. They've gone out there and put the performances. I don't see anybody coming that close to them. It would be quite a surprise to me. Um, but at the same time, it, sometimes you just have to appreciate greatness. I don't know if I'll ever cover a team quite like this again. We've seen special stories with Tall and Girls winning three state opens. We, we've seen Weathersfield winning their first for the boys last year. But this, this Bloomfield team is, is quite remarkable with, with the talent they have and how it's all come together. Obviously, they've had some athletes transfer to the school, but still, uh, you got to go out there and run the times and, and get the measurements, and they've done that. Mm-hmm. On the boys' side, Danbury seems to be the favorite coming in, but it's a lot more wide open than last year. Weathersfield put together one of the most dominant, uh, not dominant, one of the best performances uh, and state open history from the boys' side to win their first title. This year, you got a lot of other teams in the mix. Uh, Danbury is certainly a favorite. They're accustomed to being in that position. Uh, but we still got a month away. Can some teams build it up a little bit? Uh, and so from the boys' side, you get the unpredictable. From the girls' side, you get the predictable. But I think both of them will yield to some pretty memorable uh, state open uh, times, performances, and just a great day at the track as usual. Yeah, looking forward to it as we always do and looking forward to see all the great uh, coverage that Matthew Conyers of The Current uh, puts forward over the case over the course of, uh, of a week or so there at, uh, at Willowbrook in Middletown. So, Matt, we appreciate it as always. We should appreciate you uh, finding a phone in a location that uh, didn't cut out on us today, and we're, uh, we're always happy to talk to you and, and get all the information you got. So enjoy the next few weeks, and uh, we'll check back in with you soon. Thanks as always. Thanks so much, Joel. You know I love doing this, and it's always a pleasure. So thank you. Always a pleasure getting on the phone with Matthew Conyers and uh, and hearing all the information he's got. The guy uh, covers uh, high school sports about as well as anybody has the insides and outs, the ins and outs, not the insides and outs. That's a weird phrase. The ins and outs uh, of so many teams and so many schools and uh, and really does a great job. So we appreciate that. Looking forward to the track and field championships coming up at the end of May and uh, the early part of June. So we thank, uh, we thank Matthew, we thank Kyle Brennan, we also thank Victor uh, Fabian, the head coach at Staples, for, uh, for getting on the phone with us this week. We hope you enjoyed all of the uh, CIAC cast guests. So we uh, are very happy that you've joined us. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports, CIAC Sports.com. 
tournamentcentral.ciacsports. Those are all the places you can keep track of high school sports information here in the state of Connecticut. We hope you'll do that. We hope you will uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, the Apple Podcast app. If you do uh, do so, we'd love it if you would uh, rate us and, and leave us a review there. That's something, certainly something that would be uh, would be great for us, and we look forward to that uh, you doing that for us as well. Or you can just listen to the podcast at ciacsports.com. And again, you can get in touch with us, CIACcast at C-A-S-C-I-A-C dot O-R-G. So lots of good ways to keep tabs on the podcast there as well. So we uh, we thank you very much for joining us. Going to do something a little bit different this time. Uh, I'm not sure if I should really be doing this, but we'll uh, we'll allow. I'm going to allow a little uh, little bit of a, a personal sentiment here. Uh, one of my favorite uh, musicians, Chris Cornell, passed away on the uh, the day that I'm recording this podcast. So rather than our traditional uh, exit music here, we're going to get a little bit of a sample of uh, uh, some of his uh, music that has meant a lot to me. So we uh, with that we will uh, have uh, have the great Chris Cornell play us out here. As I say, thanks once again for being with us on the CIAC cast. I'm Joel Cookson. We hope you will join us once again when we come back for another edition of the CIAC cast.